We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. My name is Jari Bolander. Welcome to the Entrepreneur Ethos Podcast. On this podcast, we're going to take a deep dive into the traits, values, beliefs, and skills of all sorts of entrepreneurs to learn how to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient world. Let's get started. On today's show, I talk with Tom Geary, an entrepreneur who started a successful marketing agency, School of Thought, in 2008 on the eve of a recession. Tom shares insights about the importance of creativity, taking risks, and having empathy even during scary times. Tom has been combining his creative impulse and entrepreneur spirit since the age of 10 when he started a newspaper while traveling around the world with his parents. Tom shares the experience of surviving a typhoon with his father's boat and how he learned from his father to think outside the box and take each problem as they come. Tom stresses the importance of working with companies to help them see past what they think they know and put themselves in the customer's shoes. He creates campaigns that don't just play by the book, but that stand out from the crowd. His company's motto is make them care. And that's what he endeavors to do for every project he works on. How a company communicates its offering is as important to think about as the product or service itself. Now with everyone in lockdown during the pandemic, Tom says that business leaders should take the opportunity to demonstrate their understanding and empathy while also being creative. He points to campaigns like Reddit and Frito-Lay as examples of how companies can be different while also demonstrating understanding and empathy. Having the courage to take chances and try things out is essential to succeeding as an entrepreneur. The best practice for companies to survive tough times is to do the exact opposite of what they normally do, which is pull back. Instead, Tom recommends 
that we take the opportunity to stand out, invest, and build up. Tom strives to create a workplace where employees feel invested and care about the company. He encourages employees to practice self-care and to have boundaries between work and personal lives, which is particularly difficult right now. Now, let's get better together. Tom Geary, welcome to the podcast. It's great to be here. So uh, we know each other through Founders Network, and uh, as everyone knows, it's listened. I'm trying to get through every single person in Founders Network that's in the San Francisco Bay Area. There's 194. I think I've gone through maybe 10 so far, so I don't know what number you are, but uh, I'm certainly happy to talk with you again and reconnect because it's been a while uh, since yeah. we've actually you know, talked. Um, and and you do some really cool stuff with video and storytelling through your company, School of Thought, which we'll, we'll talk about in a second. Uh, but what I what I love to ask people is, hey, you know, tell me how you got to do what you're doing. So can you give us the nickel tour of how you became who you are? Uh, well, that's so. When I was a kid, I liked to write. Uh, to the point where I started a newspaper. I actually lived on a boat with my parents, and I started a newspaper in Fiji at age 10. Um, I sold the newspaper for 10 cents. It cost 10 cents to make, and I've kept that incredible sense of, of business ever since. <laughs> um, but um, So I, I always loved to write, and then after that, I was pretty good at sales you know, just kind of college jobs. And, and I thought, how can I kind of put together the writing? I didn't enjoy journalism so much because it was a little too dry. I like to have a few more verbs at, at my disposal <laughs> than to say and to be. And uh, so how could I, how could I put together sort of the creativity with the writing with uh, maybe moving the needle for businesses and that kind of ultimately led me into into marketing and, and uh, advertising. And have you have you owned your own company the whole time, or? Yeah, so I actually started my first shop when I was in my late twenties, uh, and and I've just always sort of had the entrepreneurial uh, bug, I guess. You know, that new, that newspaper, notwithstanding. Uh, and then uh, in two. 2008 because my sense of timing is amazing. Oh, for sure. Um, Mine we too, opened sure. School of Thought. <laughs> and, and I've been kind of grinding uh, ever since then. I mean, it's some testament to it's better to be uh, lucky than good, I guess. But uh, we have managed to grow, you know, despite the headwinds uh, through recessions and pandemics and you know, locusts and all, all these other things, all these other things that are getting thrown our way. Wow. Certainly, certainly true. I mean, you know, what, what's what's really cool about uh, like when we first met, I think it was at a Founders Network. It was at the summit, I think, summit, yeah. a couple of years ago. <clears throat> and I, I remember I was, uh, I think I was sitting next to you, if I'm not mistaken. Um, and I was pitching my book or talking about my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, which this podcast is about. And and I remember we were at a break and, you know, you're sitting there and 
and you're starting to talk about when you were living on a boat. And I remember because I'm kind of like half paying attention and half not paying attention. And then you said something like, oh, yeah, and we lived through a hurricane or a tsunami or some crazy thing. And I'm all, oh, well, you need to tell us that story because that's incredible. Tell us a little bit about that. So we, uh, my dad had always been, you know, it's kind of an amazing thing. It's something that you're talking about ethos. I think about it a lot. Um, He was, he was a really good lawyer, not making a ton of money, but he, you know, he, he was doing pretty well. Uh, He won, I think a hundred cases, lost one. And, uh, but he always had this dream of sailing around the world. And I, and his partner was like, that's crazy, Tom, you'll never do that. You know, why would you do that? You're a really good lawyer. we got this great thing going, yada, yada. And he, he stuck to his guns and I really don't, I don't know how I pulled it off. He said, I'm going to go buy a boat before I'm 50 and we're going to do this. And so that's what he did. We, we bought a boat in Taiwan, flew there just before he turned 50. I was nine. And we sailed from uh, Taiwan to Hong Kong. And then we we got there right at the beginning of the hurricane season. They call it the typhoon season. And so we waited there for throughout the entire duration of the of the typhoon season. And then after after the season was over, my dad was he was a really uh, sort of risk averse guy. And so he would actually go to the weather station, the Royal Hong Kong Weather Observatory. Every single day he went there and he's, and they, they give him a report. They say, it doesn't look so good. doesn't look so good. And this is of course, before satellite photos and, and things. And so finally he gets, he gets the all clear. He goes, they're like, Mr. Gary, you're going to have a great time. 14 days, perfect weather. Enjoy your trip. Three days later in the middle of exact dead center of the, of the South China sea, we get hammered by this, this typhoon. <laughs> They're not winds, 60 foot waves. Oh, wow. And uh, yeah, it was pretty crazy. For for about 24 hours, I don't think any of us knew if we were going to make it. Wow. In fact, there was another boat that, that left about when we did, and they actually went upside down and had water pouring in the hatch like it was DOS boot. Oh, wow. The boat flipped back over again. The great thing about sailboats is they have a keel. And so they flipped back over again and kind of were half full of water and they, they survived. They, they bailed the boat out, but we, you know, it wasn't that bad for us, but uh, I certainly look at the perfect storm with, with the CG 300 foot waves mm-hmm. with kind of a smirk on my face now, because I know that the real thing uh, isn't, doesn't, it isn't quite like that. Uh, but it was uh it was it was definitely eye opening, especially for our second ocean passage, to get hit with a a pretty serious hurricane. So what what did that what did that teach you? Well, uh, weathermen should be <laughs> uh, should be taken with a grain of salt. No, um, I think it. Well, you know, maybe resilience. Uh, we, you know, if you kind of keep your wits about you, you can probably work through just about anything, uh, is, I mean, obviously the, the boat had to hold up. I mean, there are limits, Yeah, there's but, but we, you know, my dad 
played, you know, made decisions in the moment that were really important. Like for example, at the height of the storm, everybody got, he said, let's all get below. There's just no point in, in sort of being up here. And, and so we kind of hunkered down through that. And then he figured out the next phase, kind of how to, how to work that. And then our steering broke from the stress. And so we kind of worked through that. So if you work through these things, uh, there's generally a way. I, I think that that's probably the big takeaway for me. So, and it's, you know, it's applicable certainly now. Oh yeah. With what we're all going through. Not, not, no, no doubt. So was it you, your dad, was your mom with you too? Yeah. Was the three of us, my sister, my uh, siblings are much older. Hmm. Uh, and so they were in college and, uh, so they didn't come. My sister did for part of it. And then we'd have other people, friends or family kind of tag along. So on that actual trip from Hong Kong, we had about seven people on the boat. But uh, uh, it, yeah, it, was, it made for some good stories. I mean, we, just as an example of the forces at play, we had an outboard motor on the back rail and it got decapitated with just, <laughs> just really? Yeah, from from debris on the boat, something hit it, and it just, you know, think about, you know, it's an outboard motor. It's an outboard motor. That's, like, made of metal and stuff. Welded, made of metal, beefy. Yeah. Uh, So, yeah, it's, it's, you have to, have to respect Mother Nature. Yeah, I mean, and as a nine-year-old, that must have been, I mean, were you scared? I was scared, but I don't think I knew enough to know enough. You know, I, I. Uh, I was seasick is what I really was. Hmm. Uh, but um, once we got through the height of the storm, um, I think we all knew that we'd be fine, you know, uh, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and we were, uh, the, the boat, the boat was, was tough and we were doing the right things at the right time and uh, kind of responding to the moment as we needed. But it was, uh, uh, it was quite an experience. The thing that's more dangerous, we actually got hit by another hurricane in Manila and being in a Harbor with, with so many other boats and so many other factors, there's no, there's no room to maneuver. Right. Right. And uh, so that was actually scarier probably than the one open ocean. Yeah. I can um, imagine you can, bash into a bunch of stuff hard to bash into things on the open ocean yeah i mean my dad used to say it's like being in it's like flying on a plane you know it's not the air that kills you it's the ground yeah that's no doubt 100 percent. same thing with uh with hurricanes yeah yeah the 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 two most uh exciting times when you fly because i used to be a private pilot when i was younger was takeoffs and landings everything else is just boredom punctuated with panic Right. Yeah. He was a pilot as well. Yeah. yeah that, it's uh, one of those things where, yeah, any landing you can walk away from is a good one. <laughs> sailing sailing is, exa- is very similar to flying. It just unfolds a hell of a lot slower. Yeah. Yeah. And you've only got kind of, well, you actually, you do have three dimensions. Just you're sort of, <clears throat> the third dimension is kind of not up to you. That's true. Yeah. So, but, you know, it was a great, it was a great experience overall. I, uh, I wouldn't trade it for the thing, you know, I, for a thing. It was, uh, not the hurricane per se, but <laughs> you know, the experience of, 
traveling the world and seeing all these different cultures. And, uh, it, it was, uh, it was pretty magical. Yeah. And especially at such a young age, just to see so much culture so quick. Also, I think from a kind of a leadership standpoint or, uh, what my dad did, uh, was impressive to me in that he, he kind of took the, the road less traveled, you know, it's, he didn't let sort of society kind of push him along and say, you've got to do this and this and this and this. And, and I think that's a good lesson also. I mean, that's something I took away um, and, and applies to business as well. You know, or if you're a startup, uh, you know, think about how many, how many disruptors have, have come along. You know, you, you need to have somebody who's willing to defy convention and sort of say, you know, to hell with how things were done. Let's try something different. And that's, uh, that's a great instinct as well. Yeah, no, I mean, to have the audacity to challenge the status quo, right? And say like, hey, look at me, look at my cool thing, when no one cares. I mean, no one cares except for you, your founder, maybe your mom, maybe, and even then probably doesn't care because probably don't even know what you do, you know, <laughs> when it comes to some startups. Um, <clears throat> but it, it is it is a fascinating kind of uh, parallel to, you know, conquering quote unquote conquering the ocean or like or at least taming it to a certain degree and sort of taming the the marketplace of not only products and services but ideas because that's sort of what you do at school of thought i mean you're 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 kind of the idea creative idea generation company and so tell me a little bit about about that and how how that process works and just you know, the, it's just a fascinating thing because again, cr- creation on, of anything is hard and creation on demand for clients is even harder. It is. It is. It, it's kind of the same thing we were talking about. I mean, there's a lot of convention out there and, uh, and a lot of people who, who sort of go with the typical playbook. And the problem with that is all playbooks look great in isolation. But when everyone is doing the same thing, it becomes, you know, so much wallpaper. And so, for example, you know, we do a lot of work with clients and uh, everybody's at a trade show and everybody's kind of got the standard thing. So we try to figure out, you know, how can we come up with a way to, to, to challenge the experience and make it something completely different? You know, we we had personal assistants running around at Mobile World Congress tied to social media, and we ended up generating 3 million impressions, hmm. you know, and it was because we met a need and we were like, okay, we're going to do something completely different, something we haven't seen before. And, and there's an opportunity to do that across so many different verticals. And unfortunately, you know, a lot of brands, a lot of companies don't think that way. They kind of think, uh, you know, my, my clients or my customers don't like to be marketed to it. Nobody likes to be marketed to, but if you can provide an experience that's rewarding or interesting or entertaining that, that meets a need, um, it's going to be appreciated and you're actually going to, you know, everyone will benefit from it. And so that's what we kind of try to do. We've got a poster on the side of the, of the office, which hopefully one day soon we'll, be able to get into. Oh, I'd like to uh, go visit it because it's a new one. Yeah, you're welcome to. Yeah. Well, we'll give you 
pure, the, the real kind, not the, not the virtual kind, but it says make them care. Mm. And just, you know, you can't go wrong if, if you and your clients, you know, kind of keep that as the touch, touch point for everyone. You know, if we can make people care, you know, that's, that's a pretty great day. Hmm. I never and so that's, that yeah. that's, I think that's, that's what we really get out of bed every morning to do is, you know, figure out a way to take something that people probably, you know, nobody gets out of bed to think about, you know, cloud security, you know, with, <laughs> Oh, what do you mean? <laughs> uh, protocols or whatever. Uh, so, you know, how can we frame whatever it is in a way that will actually have people appreciating, you know, the hearing about it. And sometimes it's really hard, but it's, it's a fun challenge. Yeah. I mean the, the fun stuff, like the fun types of products and the sexy products and the ones that are, you know, like I wouldn't say it's a no brainer, but easier, um, really do, uh, prepare you for the hard ones <laughs> where it's like, uh, oil and gas, uh, I don't know, CRM for, Pipes, oh God! Oh. Yeah, and 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 who the hell hasn't you know uh, cloud anything? I you know, know. Everything's, cloud. everything's cloud. Yeah, everything's cloud. something as a service. Yeah, I've, I've heard that lots <laughs> of times. So you know, again, you know, all the offerings are interesting on the in one's conference room, but yeah. when you get out to the real world, good luck. So, so which sort of your approach to it because you know a lot so a lot of startups um especially ones that are founded by technical founders which a lot of them are they pretty much leave pr marketing communications to like they're done with the product and they can't fathom why you can't you know metricize it and all the you know hocus pocus stuff that it just it just makes you mental when, when you're trying to like figure out how to essentially sell something to someone else. What have you found has been sort of the process that you've used to sort of kind of either get over that or like really be, you know, into the, you know, I, cause I like the story part of stuff. How do you get that story down so that, you know, it really is some sort of identity that's not, you know, software as a blah or blah as a service. Right. Well, the, the, you're, you're exactly right. Um, you know, done a lot of work over the years. I did nothing but work for the technical, for the developer division of, of, uh, Microsoft for about four years. Uh, and, uh, you know, everyone's deep in the weeds. Now there's not, you know, nobody can see the, the bigger picture. Um, and so the, the thing to do is what we try to do is we try to start with, looking everywhere, basically away from the product, away from the offering. So what's the competitive, what's the competitive landscape, you know, and, and what is everyone else doing? And so we basically say, how can we be distinctive and arresting in this space, in this category? And then on a larger level, how can we be distinctive and arresting in the entire universe? You know, if you can hit either of those 
uh, marks, you're you're in a good spot. But it it requires marketers or us, the consultants, to come in and basically, you know, remind the team uh, to kind of get away from uh, Slack and and you know think about what's going on outside the building. Mm-hmm. Uh, think about you have to you have to be selfless. You have to think entirely about the user and you know what's great is sometimes you can kind of frame it just like a user experience you know if if somebody is is a really good and and a lot of engineers are incredibly creative people so sometimes we use that as as kind of a way in but if you think about you know trying to come up with a great user experience for a site or a product okay it's just that on a macro level. How can you be as thoughtful about what the product or service is externally as you are about coming up with with the uh, with the with the offering? You know, it's kind of funny. I got I had some success on this product on this uh, project, and it got a got quite a bit of press. And uh, so I got recruited to work on Apple, and so I, I went down, and I was going to be the the uh, the lead on on Apple's uh, digital work at the agency down in LA. And, and I heard there that the problem with the job was that Steve Jobs didn't happen to be a big believer in creative uh, digital uh, communications. And I said, how can that be? This guy who's basically invented entire, and not, not himself, but at least been responsible for, you know, inventing new user experiences and, you know, entire new paradigms of how we do things, having uh, UX that, you know, flips around and so forth. Um, how can it be that somebody who's that inventive with his product can be, have this kind of utilitarian view towards his communication? Now, obviously Steve, you know, had some strengths in marketing, but, it's, it can be the same thing. There's no reason that you're, you really ought to have your communications be as inventive as your, as your offering. And if you aren't aiming that high, you should bring in people who, who do. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. Because it is sometimes actually an afterthought. It is completely an afterthought. Especially and it doesn't start- have- yeah, it doesn't have to be. No, I agree. And, and and so like as I've been doing this sort of stuff more and more, you know, after I, I took over Jane's PR and marketing business, I've realized that the uh the real like half the battle is just building the product. And the other half is figuring it out how to get people to pay attention to it and buy it and what messaging. So and I think it's about a f- I mean, I don't know if it's a 50-50 split, but certainly Time-wise, it feels that way. You know, it's like, how do you like ramp this thing up in order to get past all the noise? I mean, so much noise out there. So many people doing the, you know, as we said, blah as a service or, you know, direct to consumer, whatever the buzzword bingo is nowadays. Um, And so, yeah, it it can be incredibly frustrating (laughs) uh, when you like bang up in front of that. I mean, it is for me because everyone wants like these results that 
I can't sometimes give them. I, I mean, I don't well, know. Now we've got now we've got this dynamic with the with the uh, with the virus, yeah, you know, and, and the recession or depression or whatever you want to call it. Uh, and so that's that's yet another dynamic at play. And and so people who may have been doing the wrong thing before are almost certainly doing the wrong thing now with this sort of tone deaf. You know, I, I I saw some ads from Adobe. I used to work at Adobe, but you know, and, and they're just kind of running these these ads like nothing nothing's going on in the world. And if you're doing that, it's just not going to land. You know, it's no, it's going to backfire. Yeah, you, and, you yeah you wrote a piece about that on LinkedIn. I remember. I did. Yeah, it's there, there's so many so many brands that are, that are missing the mark and missing the opportunity. And, and there's a need for, you know, we're not getting great leadership out of DC and a lot of cases we're not getting a lot of great leadership out of the, on the state level. And so uh, I think business leaders and brands need to step up in this moment. And there's an opportunity to, to, to pivot pretty easily. You know, you can come up with communications that are empathetic or that, that add a little humor, you know, I, I see, I don't need to see an easy off ad with, you know, with Mr. Whipple, like singing and up, you know, and dancing down the aisles. That's not going to work. You know? exactly. Make a joke about how you've made, you know, 12 kinds of comfort food. And so now the oven needs to be clean. Yeah, exactly. No, no, I agree. I agree. <laughs> Love that. I want to see that. You guys should make a parody of that. That would be super fun. Yeah. The parodies are out there practically. You know, the real the real stuff is almost makes me laugh. Almost. Yeah, I know. We were talking a little bit about that before where if you were to actually have written a screenplay, they'd be like, Oh, make it more real, like this time is a screenplay. Oh yes, exactly. Yeah, the, yeah. It's almost like the first episode of The Walking Dead. Almost you know, the guy wakes up in the hospital. Yeah. Almost. 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 So I mean, what what do you? Th I mean, so that's that's an interesting point because the the thing that I think you don't want to do is is like dwell too much on kind of what's happening now, but you also don't want to be tone deaf to that situation that people are in. And I know a lot of people, I mean, a lot of leaders are having a hard time trying to figure out the balance between humanity and leadership and you know some of the things that i've heard especially in the corporate world because i have a bunch of friends that are corporate folk and some of them have gotten laid off and like some of our startups and the leadership is just struggling mightily to figure out how to be a better leader or what they call wartime ceos uh, right. how what how how would you go about that from a like let's just say let's 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 say you know tom and jari rule the world <laughs> and we are going to teach people how to communicate better during a crisis. Well, what are some of the things that you would kind of brainstorm about? How, 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 what do you, what do you think? Well, I think one of the things, and we're actually working on this initiative and we've been, we've been, uh, we've been working on it for about five weeks, but I think if you run everything through the filter of empathy and again, kind of focus on the end, the end consumer, you know, what, what's going on? It's, it shouldn't be about your offering. It shouldn't be about your product. It shouldn't be opportunistic. But that doesn't mean you can't accomplish something in this time. I mean, you can make a lot of people feel better. 
You can, you can bring a smile to somebody's face. You can distract them from what's going on. Um, and so I think running everything through the filter of, you know, again, what will it mean for the end recipient is, is the way to go and to be as empathetic as you can. Um, and the, the problem is, is a lot of brands are kind of have this empty hollow, you know, I got an email from Mavis. It's actually on, on, on a deck that I'm using. I'm showing, you know, we're with you. Here's 3% <laughs> off, you know, your car rental. I don't need 3% off my car. Rental. No, no, no. I don't need that for oh, sure. I, I need a, a, you know, I need a babysitter to come over and a bottle of wine, uh, you know, uh, but, uh, and that's not, you know, that's not Avis's place, but, but what could they do to, to be selfless and to kind of, uh, surprise and delight people, you know, unexpectedly, you know, uh, just show a little, humanity that is genuine and selfless and watch watch the dividends you know do it for the right reasons and the sure. benefits will 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 spread exponentially almost like this damn virus yeah no for sure what 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 brand have you seen that's actually done that right uh almost i actually reddit did one reddit okay so Reddit's about the only brand I can think of that is uh, also uh, Frito-Lay. Okay, two examples. So maybe we can post them under the uh, the podcast. Yeah, but, sure. Send uh, so Reddit did one where, you know, everybody's kind of hopped onto the – and it's, it's great, of course, to be thanking the frontline uh, uh, folks, you know, the, the hospital workers, the people at the stores and so forth. Obviously it is a amazing thing that they're doing. Yeah. 100%. But, uh, I think what is happening now is brands are just defaulting to that because they view it as safe. And, and I'm not sure that the hundredth brand to come up with this idea is going to, is either going to be appreciated or, uh, benefit from it. So what I would suggest is, you know, how can you help in a way that is different and, and still meaningful? So what Reddit did is they had a video where they said, you know, thank you to the knuckleheads. And then they showed this, this you know, and they showed this montage of funny clips of people kind of coping in different ways. Right, right, right. And, and it's, it was charming and self-deprecating and, and um and then it finally had a nod to the to the healthcare workers, but it was the right balance where it was like ninety percent about about making people feel better, rather than uh, going to the same sort of predictable chord of 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 uh, people uh, clapping for the uh, you know just sort of the typical approach, which we we've all seen dozens of times. There's you know there have been mashups done where people have cut commercial number one into commercial number two with the typical COVID thing with, with the piano music playing yep. because everyone is following the exact same playbook. And so yeah. it doesn't do you any good to, to play that, play that tune once more. Um, Free delay, you know, uh, also had a, a pretty great uh, video where they talked about how they weren't going to 
to do the thing that Coca-Cola did where they spaced out their letters cleverly, you know, and, and they're exactly right. Coke, Coke having a message about physical distancing, I'm pretty sure we've all got the physical distancing thing down at this point. Yeah, you know? I think so. Everybody, Helen Keller knows. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But what Coca-Cola, you know, Coca-Cola is in a position, especially with a product that sells in good times and the bad, yeah. to help a lot of people. Why don't they foster neighborhood barbecues, you know, drop off cases in every neighborhood across America and say, you know, um, they, there are lots of things that they could do to kind of surprise and delight. And so Frito-Lay basically said just that and had a really charming video. And they said, we're not going to like do empty things. We're, we're hiring, you know, 10,000 people and we're giving this money here and we're doing this. And, and, and uh, it was, it was the great, it was great. There was substance to it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's the surprise and delight with substance. Surprise and delight with substance. That's, you know, that's, that's, um, that's a, a good, a good way to go. Why do you think it's so hard to do? It's not, I think people are fearful. Uh, and so they, they're kind of, Taking, taking the obvious uh, options, which are pulling back, which is what a lot of brands do. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. rather than kind of um, misstepping potentially, and also the economics, you know, it's sort of the typical playbook is to, is to pull back in a, in a recession, which is actually not the thing to do. I mean, best practice is actually, uh, this is a great time uh, in terms of standing out. Mm, great. Uh, you have, there is no clutter out there in relative terms, you know. So you have very little competition. You can easily gain share of voice uh, if you if you have the courage to to go for it during a recession. A lot of people don't have that. So I think that's that's one of the factors. And then uh, I think that people are just concerned about sort of being different. You know, it's it's what is safe rather than sort of what is right. And um, there's a there's a need for leadership in this moment and brands can and should take that take that role. Yeah, a lot of people like to follow. And and, a lot and of people like to follow. Yeah. And, and I remember like, you know, Intel, uh, what they would do during recessions is they would invest heavily. That was their sort of model. Um, they, one, they were, they had the opportunity to, but two, they realized that there's, that it will end. And if they were in a good position to invest in equipment and manufacturing and new designs, that when the recession ended, they would be in a way better position. Whereas the standard, <laughs> accounting driven company, which a lot of big companies are, will just be cut, 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 cut. You know, right. no one ever, no one ever says, Oh, let's try to increase sales. They're always like, let's cut expenses. Well, there's two sides, right? There's expenses and revenue or, you know, any, anyone with a knuckle dragger NBA <laughs> knows that, right. Um, and so, okay. So it's surprise and delight, uh, be kind of innovative and creative and, and really try to kind of, I guess, have a heart or have some sort of 
I don't know what that what's what's make that? people care make people you know? care okay make people care you, you can't go wrong if you're if you're making people care interesting 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 so are there are there any um things that that you're trying to do you know daily like some habits that that not only help you make you care because I I know you're a pretty caring guy in general um but like that that you use to make yourself more successful or school of thought you know more innovative or anything that you kind of do daily that kind of like level sets you so that you do have that top of mind like make them care like the the poster that you guys have well uh the dog therapy is uh is particularly good these days Mm. i've never been a dog guy but uh the uh no they i think the thing that is sort of underreported in well i'll sort of talk about let me talk a little bit about uh sort of getting through the crisis and then also sort of generally best practices or things that i think about uh i think that the the emotional void is something that's been kind of uh, is sort of the biggest story that hasn't been reported. You know, we're all sort of dealing with health issues, direct or indirect. Uh, you know, my, I'm concerned about my health and concerned about my mom's health. Um, and then we've got this, you know, recession of indeterminate length looming. And that's another concern. And, uh, and all, all the carry on effects and then this isolation, you know. Uh, so I think a lot of people are affected pretty significantly by, by this perfect storm of, of, uh, dynamics. And I think that's something that really needs to be addressed. I mean, there's been a little, obviously they're working on the vaccine and their treatments and there's been a little bit of relief to businesses and individuals, which is all great. But I think people need to think harder about, the amount, the emotional effects of, of this crisis. And so to that end, I think whatever we, we can all do to, you know, as leaders or as individuals to kind of address that, uh, it's really important. So I'm trying to make sure that our team doesn't, uh, you know, we're, none of us are commuting anymore and it's pretty easy to kind of start work at six and go until nine if you let it. And so I'm trying to make sure that none of us are letting that happen and that we're all kind of taking breaks uh, and, and trying to have some, you know, time off, personal days, whatever, uh, whatever can make people feel better. Uh, I'm, I'm trying to facilitate. I just sent a pasta maker to somebody on our team. <laughs> Because I cool. watched the, the big lasagna. Uh, <laughs> uh, That's awesome. New York Times book. And, you know, I'm sharing my pasta making and, and she kind of leaned in on it. And I'm like, okay. And so she, she too will make lasagna. Uh, so, you know, whatever we can all do to kind of have some fun. And, uh, you know, we're bringing dogs to, to our client meetings and Zoom, Zooming with with the dog therapy. So that's kind of what I'm thinking about in terms of, uh, the crisis in, 
in my field, in sort of the, the creative marketing world, there aren't a lot of sh companies that treat their people very well. And so they, I, I try and think about that. Um, you know, I kind of think, what can we do to kind of set up a culture to our organization that, um, that doesn't treat people like an afterthought, like a commodity, you know? And uh, it's sad that it's such a rarity in our business, in our category. But I mean, it's not a, it's the same way in tech startups. Yeah, it is to some degree. It shouldn't be. No, it um, shouldn't be in anything, but it is, it, unfortunately, the art and skill of leadership and management is not really, I mean, it's not valued in the tech industry. That's for sure. All they care about yeah. is your technical prowess. And my guess is it's similar. Right. It, it is, it is, it is similar, I think. And so I try to kind of uh, fight that. I, I've kind of always been trying to figure out like, how can we, how can we create a culture that that's different that, uh, uh, you know, I think like if, if the office burned down, you know, what would people do tomorrow? And the, the, the answer is, I'd love them to feel passionate enough about the company that they'd want to, they'd want to figure out how to help, you know? Uh, and, and so that's, that's sort of my, my thought in terms of how I, what I strive for with the culture, you know, I want to have a place where everybody knows that they're, they're valued and, uh, and I think, you know, to a large extent, we've been successful in that. And uh, that's, uh, that's kind of a source of pride. Um, it's important, I think, also to take initiative. Um, I'm a pretty ambitious guy. And I, I kind of, there are a lot of times when I am on the fence about something. And when in doubt, it's better to have tried and failed. and then and i think also in this time you know i'm for sure i'm uh, i was texting the ceo of a very famous video conferencing company <laughs> i got i got his 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 cell phone number from somebody and they're all in the news <laughs> and uh i was i was suggesting some bold initiatives and here i am like you know uh cold texting this guy and he was pretty responsive, you know, but it's like uh, these times favor the bold. Yes. And, and uh, yes. So I don't think there's any harm in, in, in taking the initiative. <coughs> Excuse me. Yeah. No. And I think that's the way we're going to get out of this, even at the governmental level. What you see when it comes to handling these kind of crises is people that are afraid. I mean, Government officials are afraid to do something wrong and cause more pain and suffering. So they're going to be extremely conservative on things. Just it's in their nature. They have to be because they got to get reelected or, you know, it's hard for a politician to say they're wrong just generally because it's actually hard for lots of people to say they're wrong. To admit you're wrong and then move on and learn from a failure is everyone has that problem. But it's even worse when you're a public figure because there's always someone out to gunning for you always. I mean, it's a, 
it's a really hard job that I would never want to do. I mean, just it just seems like your time is not your own, and you have to make these decisions that are just these best bad choices. Like, there's no good choice. So you know, there's none. Yeah. I mean, you yeah. can't just magically make it all go away, right? Just can't. Um, and but I but I do think though we really need to think a little bit more creative and take calculated risks because there's a trade off. There's the not taking the risk and then being conservative and then maybe something goes even worse and it can because the longer we stay closed down the, the worse it gets there's no doubt but then there's the co- corollary that you don't want to make rash unreasonable decisions that may you know cost people's lives but you have to do that because again the best bad choice there either way you go People are going to get impacted. There's just no doubt. I mean, and it's a hard, 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 hard thing. But I just hope that, um, you know, let's let's be a little more creative, you know. If you think about, you know, investing or, I mean, there's so many different walks of life where it's sort of applicable. But, I mean, <clears throat> people don't go 100% into bonds. Right. You know, right. you're not going to you're not going to put everything into a CD and earn, you know. 0.65%, that's not really going to help you. Nope. You know, it's important to have, have kind of a broad portfolio. And if you liken that to communications, you ought to sort of do the same thing. So why not have, you can have a baseline that, that's relatively conservative, but, but it makes a lot of sense to take some risks with some aspects of your communication. Some of those things are going to, going to go crazy. You know, we, Microsoft is is a very conservative company uh, culturally, I think, with their communications. But they would invest about 3% every year on these things called emerging media trials. And they would basically, anything would go. It was like a VC fund for, for, uh, for communications and marketing ideas. And I spearheaded a number of them, and some of them were crazily successful. We got 50 million views for free, uh, earned earned uh wow yeah earned media wow. with, with one initiative and we had another thing where we had ten thousand people playing a playing a game in real time for three months wow. people, people we had like thousands of of developers who were trying to hack our server over memorial day weekend <laughs> and so you know and it was a fictitious thing and it was this fun kind of yeah uh, thing but if you can f- create a environment and opportunities like that, some of those things are going to like, like a VC uh, effort, you know, some of those startup uh, efforts will succeed and they will become the basis of an amazing brand story. Wow. Well, Tom, I think that's a great, uh, great place to end today. So thanks so much for your time. It's great to see you virtually and uh looking forward to uh yeah i'm looking forward to the time i can actually take a tour of your real office that that would be great love to do that awesome thanks for listening to the entrepreneur ethos podcast i hope you enjoyed this episode as much as i did creating it my hope is that you learn something that can make you a little bit better if you enjoyed the podcast please do share it with friends and review it on apple Podcasts or spotify you can also join my email list by visiting theentrepreneurethos.com to get my thoughts on what I'm doing to get better, as well as what I'm working on. You can also pick up my book, The Entrepreneur Ethos, if you want to learn the traits, 
values, and beliefs that I think we need to build a more ethical, inclusive, and resilient entrepreneur and, frankly, world community. Feel free to follow me on Twitter at The Daily MBA and let me know if you have any questions or recommendations for a guest you'd like me to talk to. Also, drop me a note if you try anything we talked about on this or any other episode. I'd love to hear what's working for you. Until next time, keep getting better. Recently, Total Wireless helped Charlie Michelle stage a virtual dance recital for her friends and family. This event was super meaningful to them. Because when you move to Total Wireless, you can get amazing devices on nationwide 5G. And with unlimited plans starting at $25 a month, you could save up to $1,200 a year. Thank you, Total Wireless, for helping me pull this off. Total Wireless. Do amazing. Compatible 5G device required. 5G network in limited areas. Month equals 30 days. Savings claim made when compared to four-line postpaid plans of leading carriers 10-20-20. See terms and conditions at TotalWireless.com. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.